This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and a welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And uh, we are here on another live show, which I'm super excited um, we've got a really interesting guest who I suppose has gone through a bit of a, a life transformation, if, if that's what you want to call it. But uh, we've got my good friend, uh, David Waldy, who's going to be with us uh, here on the show, actually. And um, David's going to be talking uh, a little bit about fierce empathy. Uh, I've never heard of the terminology fierce empathy, but what David is, is he is a life and business strategist. Uh, he's also uh, a coach and a speaker. He's spoken on stages with the likes of Brunson and Tony Robbins and many other influencers from around the world. But he's also coached thousands of thousands of leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. And David's going to be sharing his compelling story about his, I suppose, as I mentioned to you, an, an awakening about, you know, living the American dreams. We talk about the American dream and why he, why it wasn't really much of an American dream. It was more of an American nightmare. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're going to be talking a little bit about what is this embassy, embassy and where did the ideology come from? Uh, we could be talking a little bit about how you can apply the principles of this empathy. But I'm going to get David to also walk us through the framework of that. And if you are in a place right now where you feel underfulfilled and you don't feel like if you feel like you're trying to seek that purpose in life but haven't quite grasped or understood or haven't quite really taken it on upon yourself to get yourself out of your comfort zone to really challenge yourself so that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today now before we get into the gist of things i always remind everybody here on the show right if you are listening to us, I've used the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. We love engagement. And if you have a, if you have any questions, feel free to use the questions in the question in the question section below. Um, if you're listening to us on LinkedIn and on YouTube, of course, feel free to hit the bell notification in the top right hand corner. That will be able to get you notified for any event or any announcements as we've got coming up. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to this live video or recorded video, you can listen to us on the podcast, of course. And we're streaming over on Apple, on Spotify, and Google. And uh, if you enjoy some of our conversations, feel free to leave a one or a five star review. I always believe in honest reviews, and uh, we'll go from there. Listen, looking forward to today's conversations. So without further ado, Mr. Waldy, how are you? My brother, Mr. Strong, how are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. This is uh, this is an exciting conversation. I'm really looking forward to it. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I'm excited for it too. We're going to dive in and have have a blast. Definitely, definitely, definitely. You know, interesting. I was I was reading your your bio because you originally grew up in Kansas. Is that right? That's correct. Right. And for those that don't know where Kansas is, it's the dead center of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> tumbleweed, I like to call it. Um, yes. Lots of tumbleweeds. So, um, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because 
when you when 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 we kind of got together and you, you were talking about fierce empathy, I had no clue what fierce. Obviously, I'd heard of empathy. Well, when we talk about fierce empathy, but I'd love you to kind of give us some context about where you found that kind of how you created that kind of IP or the ideology of fierce empathy because you've got a really compelling story, you know, of the that you lived what we call the corporate America dream, but you kind of decided that it really wasn't a, a dream as much. Could you give us some context? Yeah, absolutely. So fierce empathy, it's uh, its a concept, ideology, philosophy, whatever you want to call it, that I have, uh, I kind of uh, stumbled into based on a series of events that transpired. As, as I'm sure we're all familiar with the concept of empathy, one of the mm-hmm. challenges with that is that especially in the day and age that we live in. And I'd love your thoughts on this too, Adam. It seems like words tend to have whatever meaning individuals decide that they have. There's no universal. <laughs> like It's like, let's look at Webster's, Merriam-Webster's dictionary and actually see what this word means. And so uh, empathy, uh, obviously, as with many words, it takes on its own meaning because of context and upbringing and, uh, you know, uh, socioeconomic situations, political affiliations, religious affiliations, empathy, depending on how you've experienced it or how uh, the lack thereof, it means a lot of different things to people. What basically, universally, the the understanding of empathy is is trying to step into someone else's shoes, right? Mm. That's kind of the the best example we use for for empathy. But uh, Mm. what I started to discover is that I'm a very, very emotional being. I'm a very emotional dude. I I love to cry. I love to laugh. I love to, to, you know, if you need a shoulder, you need a kick in the butt. Uh, I love all the feelings, like all the ooey gooey stuff. But it led to a lot of dangers um, when, when you are very emotionally in tune with everything that's going on around you. And there's a lot of controversy and, and arguments about whether that's a nature versus nurture thing. Is this something that's hardwired? Are, are people just naturally born more empathetic or is mm. it is there a product of their circumstances and situations and upbringing? And what I started to do is I started to really study this concept because I was very frustrated by the fact that as a man, Growing up, especially my teenage years, every time I would take like a strengths test or personality test, empathy was right there at the top. Now, as a young man, with the context I had for the word empathy, I was like, that's not a masculine characteristic. (laughs) Why would I? I want like, you know, tenacity or competitive or or something, you know, that's a little stronger, right? And I just didn't have a clear understanding of what. Uh, what empathy can be and how it can be utilized in a really powerful way. And so fierce came out of my own evolutionary process of just development, personal growth. Um, uh, A lot of coaches, mentors, pastors, just uh, different things along the way where I started to realize that one of the challenges of the day and age we live in, Adam, is that people are very sensitive and empathetic Mm -hmm. to other people. However, we have lost the art of speaking the hard truth in love. We have become so timid about sharing opinions and expressing differences and having tough conversations and being willing to respectfully disagree with other people that fierce empathy, kind of an overarching definition would be this. And and again, it means different things to different people, but doing everything within our power to fully see, hear, and understand from another's perspective while simultaneously holding to our convictions and our beliefs in a flexible way where we speak the hard truth in love, 
regardless of whatever discomfort may follow. And so it's a very long definition, a big definition, but basically it's saying, how can I hold space for another individual, do everything to see, hear, and understand from their perspective while simultaneously having the courage, being fiercely committed to the process of understanding them and fiercely committed to what I believe to be the truth and to to advocate for that and to fight for that, but to do it in a respectful way rather than what we see in much of society, which is just cramming it down everybody's throat. You don't agree with me. We, you know, cancel culture, all of it. There's a lot of problems that, that we see and experience. And so that's a general overview of the concept. <laughs> I think, you know, it's interesting because I, I believe that we live in a very judgmental world now, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I think, uh, I suppose in a way it could kind of, when you, when you kind of mix social media and judgmental opinions and what your thought and what your perception or reality of what and what is the truth and what isn't, what, you know, and I think that sometimes that can really uh, sedate how we use empathy as a skill because mm-hmm. it is a skill, right? It's very much a skill, mm-hmm. uh, but being able to use it as a strength more than anything else. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's it, the hard part about empathy is that it it really is is almost impossible outside of a relationship of trust and in, intimacy. So we live mm-hmm. in a world where uh, we feel, uh, we believe, or we think that we can empathize with uh, with someone that is in a completely different culture, completely different environment, completely different upbringing. Everything about their life is is completely different than ours. Which means by extension, there's such a gap, a distance between our reality and their reality that the mistake we make in trying to be empathetic is that we are, uh, and I'll talk about the flip side of this in a second, the mistake that we're making is that we don't really have a frame to understand from their perspective. And so we're making all these judgments and conclusions and voicing opinions about what people want and what people need and what success is and what business should look like and how how people should operate and how people should interact. And the problem is, is that these, the, the deep connection that we long for, not only in business, but just in relationships and with other people, the only way that we can truly understand and where someone can feel seen, heard, and understood is in the context of an actual relationship, which means that there has to be a foundation of trust. And so you overlay that on culture and society where everyone's got an opinion about everything and mm-hmm. everything that gets traction online is is based on polarization, right? You've got black versus white, you've got left versus right, you've got certain religion against certain religion, you've got pro-choice versus pro-life, you've got you know, LGBTQ versus all the different people that have different beliefs of how life is supposed to operate. And now I have my beliefs, Adam, you have your beliefs, but I feel like the only way that we can move forward not just as a human race is recognizing that these problems are not going to be solved top down. Mm. These problems are going to be solved around the dinner table at the coffee house. You had a beautiful uh, dinner. I saw the other night at, Adam with a group of incredible entrepreneurs. I was jealous. I couldn't be there. I got to see a picture. Of <laughs> that is where trust and relationship is established. And I believe that if we can get 
get back to a place where we, we know who we are, we know what we believe, but we're also doing our best to understand from others' perspectives. Mm. That is how we solve so many of the problems that are being faced today because social media creates such distance that you're, you're looking through a, a, a telescope. You're seeing a picture that's so far away and drawing all these judgments and all these conclusions. And it's, it's, uh, it's uh, thin ice. <laughs> at the yep. least. I, I agree with you. I mean, listen, it's interesting. There's a lot of things that are, I kind of resonate with what you're saying. And, you know, you talked about relationships and trust. And again, you go back to the dinner that I, that I arranged a couple of weeks ago uh, in London. The philosophy behind that is all about how can I, in, in how can I really create deep connection on a whole new level? Because, and also it's based on energy. I'm mm -hmm. a big thing in energy, right? So, you know, online stuff is great, right? So, you know, you know, that's, that's all gravy, but really kind of meeting people face to face intuitively, mm -hmm. you can pick up people's energy. You can really kind of really get to know someone. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I agree. 100%. So that's cool. Love that. Love that. Love that. Um, interesting enough, and I want to kind of, there was something that, that I picked up from what you said, which is all around self-awareness. And I'm, I'm big into self-awareness. Like, I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't know. I didn't feel like self-awareness was as important, but I feel like now, if we don't know what our self, if we don't know what our parameters are, our belief systems and our, you know, our, how we effectively, um, I was going to say how we're aware of who we are today and what, it, whatever it might be, how, from your perspective, and I'm sure that you work with clients in the past where their, I don't know, self-awareness is not, it needs improvement. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, because yeah. that's kind of where it really starts with, doesn't it? From your, how do you when when you see people that need a heightened heightened state of awareness, what do you do to help it make people more aware of not just strengths and weaknesses, but in terms of like skills, life learning skills, and want to make people better, if you like? Yeah, yeah. So the first the, the first question that I always like to tackle is that most people are, are asking a series of questions. And I think you actually might've posted about this the other day too, forgive me if I'm forgetting incorrectly, but we talk a lot about if you, if you want to create different results, you want to create better results, you have to ask better questions. And yep. we live in a day and an age where, you know, we're not, a lot of times we think we're asking the right questions and we've been conditioned to believe that they're the right questions. But when you start to dig into this process of questioning who you are and what you're about and what you believe and what you want and what uh, all of these different things, you start to realize that there are useful questions and there are questions that are not so useful. And so one of the not so useful questions that I have found is derailed many people along their journey or it's caused a lot of unnecessary suffering and difficulty and challenge is many of us were conditioned to ask the question, what do you want to do with your life? What are you doing? Like, what do you do for work? What do you do? That's the most common. You meet somebody like, oh, so what do you do, right? What do you do? And like going back to even our childhood, I'm sure many can relate to this is like, what do you want to do when you grow up, right? Or some, right. To, to some degree, some people would be like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? But usually when we say, what do you want to be when you grow up? That was a label that we had. I want to be an ice cream man, or I want to be a doctor, or I want to be the president, or I want to be whatever, right? 
But the problem with that and asking these, these, the subset of questions that come with that, when we start to face challenges and difficulties in life, we default to that, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to fix my business? What do right. I need to do to fix my health? What do I need to do to, to, um, to deal with my boss? What do I need to do with this frustrating employee? What do I need to do with this contract? What do I need to do? And again, it's not that that's not a bad question, but from my perspective, the best first question to ask is who do I want to become? And when we stop and we, we come into this place where we actually take a step back and we say, wow, I don't know that I've actually ever actually defined that for myself. What's really interesting mm -hmm. is when you start to define it for yourself and you get crystal clear on who you want to be as, as a father or a mother, as a husband or a wife, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a friend, uh, in your health, in your relationships, in your financial situation, when you get crystal clear on who you want to become, what you need to do gets crystal clear. And that's where the awareness comes in is that most people they're, they're feeling either anxious or worried about life, frustrated, overwhelmed. And they're like, I feel stuck. I don't know what to do. Life doesn't have any passion. I don't feel any purpose or any of these things. And the awareness where I, I like to start with people is this is again, asking that question, who do I want to become? And interestingly enough, you'll ask people that, and most people can't answer it, Adam. Most people have no idea. And even right. if you ask people what they want, they can't really tell you what they want. They can tell you everything they don't want, <laughs> everything that's wrong with their life, everything that frustrates them. But when you ask people what they really want out of life and who they want to become, you start to see the cracks form. And it's and, and we all have these, right? Yep. Because it, you start to realize that all of this becomes a house of cards because you're just adapting to whatever gets thrown. You're reacting to life. You're just, you've become what your parents said was going to be best. You went to school and got the job and did the thing and married the, married the girl and had the white picket fence and da, 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 right? But if we're going to address this thing around self-esteem and self-awareness, we have to go to the foundation and say, okay, in order for me to make changes, I need to have an honest time of introspection and saying, here's the reality of where I am. Here are all the things that I am satisfied with and all the things I'm dissatisfied with. And when we look at all the things that we are satisfied with and dissatisfied with, what that awareness, now we have it on paper on purpose in front of us, we can say, okay, what needs to change in me? And it's usually one of two things, Adam. How I see it is what needs to die in me? What do I need to put to death? While simultaneously, what needs to be resurrected? What have I let life push down baggage and trauma and pain and betrayal and heartbreak and all these things? What has been shoved down deep inside of me that needs to be reborn, that needs to come back to life? While simultaneously, what do I need to let go of? What identity and labels need to die and be beyond pushed back? Because when you do that, you become aware of where you are. And that's the, the foundation. If you're looking at a map and you know where you want to go, you know, this is the place you, that I, that I want to go. And you're talking about an old fashioned map. If you don't know where you are on that map, it is worthless. It is right. worthless. <laughs> Right. Now I'm not talking about like the Apple, Apple maps now that automatic geo targeting or whatever, but like an old fashioned map. If you know where you want to go and who you want to become and what you want to do, the only way that you can ever get there is if you stop and assess, here's where I am right now. I need to become mm -hmm. aware of my reality 
right now. Mm. I like that. That's a really good point, actually. You know, there's a lot of, um, it doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur, if you're in corporate America, it doesn't really matter. And it's interesting. You, you, you've probably got old school friends, same for me, you've got that have, that have been in jobs for like 15, 20 years. They're in the same place. They haven't really grown, yeah. but they have this, I don't know, is it a mindset restriction or a blockage? I don't know, but it's kind of like, oh, but I've got a wife. Oh, but I've got kids. Oh, but I've got a mortgage. Oh, but I've got a car to pay payments on and et cetera. It's kind of like making excuses. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like they're making excuses, but they know that there's a, that deep down they're terribly unhappy and there's this massive disconnect. Yeah. If you, if, if there are, I mean, I know that we're going to be listeners that are listening in that we're going to be probably be touching on a few, on a few pain points for you guys. Do you have any advice for those types of people that, you know, that, are, you know, in your case, you, you, you already felt the warning signs. You were, you know, you're 50 pounds overweight, you know, you're working 68, 80 hours a week and that kind of stuff. Like, what do you say to people in that, in that scenario? Like, how do you kind of break the mold? Cause effectively it's like, it's effectively a mold, isn't it? It's like, you know, you it's like Groundhog Day. You ever seen that um, uh, movie with Bill Murray, Groundhog Day? It's the same shit, different day type of analogy, um, yep. <laughs> which is kind of, it's, it's a great movie, by the way. Um, yeah. How do you kind of break that mold? So the first thing, I'll, I'll approach it from two different angles. The first yep. is is if you are friends with someone like this. I have a lot of people that are, are in my circle or in my network that I've had to, um, I've had to, to love from a distance for a very long time. I used to be very intimately connected with them, like very close mm -hmm. friends. And I've had to right. kind of step back. And so the first thing I'll talk about real quick is if you are surrounded by people that are not currently focused on dreams, goals, pursuing mission, vision, making the world a better place, inspiration, personal growth, personal development, working on themselves. Um, my friend, for anyone listening, please audit your friend circle. You need to get into the rooms with people that push you past your comfort zone. That is the only way that you will ever transcend outside of your current circumstances. And that all starts with what is influencing you, what you're allowing, the, the conversations, the thoughts, mm -hmm. um, the books that you're reading, the shows that you're watching, the, the programs you're, you know, you're listening to, the podcasts that you're subscribed to, all of these things. And so what ends up happening is that you seem to have this one individual that kind of rises above, right? Mm. Just a little bit. But that network is constantly trying to suck you back in to the status quo. It's like, like you said, the mortgage, I got the job, I got the, you know, I'm working, making 40, 50, $60,000. And there's nothing wrong with making that amount of money. I need a quick clarifier here. Every person defines success differently. We, we know this you could line up uh, 10,000 people and every one of them would have a different definition of success, but we all define failure the same. And failure is our inability to reach our goals. It comes from a great book by Ogman Dino called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And when he talks about this, the, the importance here for your question is that if you're going to rise above, you have to recognize a few things. You removing yourself from that situation does not make you superior or better in any way, mm -hmm. shape or form. 
You are not an intrinsically superior human being. This is where classes for thousands of years have created major problems. We still have the, the many of those problems today, but you have to see it as a responsibility while being able to steward and carry all of the pressure and weight that is going to come from people trying to pull you back down because they're not going to understand. They're going to label you. They're going to judge you. They're going to say things about you. You have to carry humility and love and compassion, looking at them saying, I know I can't convince you of this, but my hope is that through my life well lived, it will demonstrate to you what's possible. And one day, one day, I will be able to help you remove yourself from this situation as well. I'm not better than you. I don't think I'm smarter than you. I'm not prettier than you or whatever. And so you have to have a servant's heart first and foremost. If you're surrounded by people, know that it's going to be hard to get out of that, get in the right rooms. But then if you're the individual and you've been in, you're, you're there right now. You're the person who is just waking up, going through the motions every single day. You know, you should be going to the gym, but you snooze, you make it to work and you coast by and you punch in and punch out. And life just is like, what the heck? Why am I here? What am I doing? What is this all about? I'm supposed to be happy, but I'm freaking anxious and I'm worried and maybe depressed. Maybe you're dealing with a lot of things. I, I dealt with those for years, suicidal ideation, constant anxiety, panic attacks, all these things. And what was hard, Adam, is from the outside looking in, and this is the danger and for mm. anyone listening, from the outside looking in, we are really good at wearing masks. We are yeah. really good at pretending that everything is okay. We're really good at the smiles and especially with social media, we, we put out our best, right? But you know in your heart of hearts if you're not okay. And if you're not okay, there are, there are three things that I would recommend. Number one, you absolutely have to come to terms with, as we mentioned before, your current mm -hmm. reality, which means you're going to have to get brutally honest with yourself about the areas that you're dissatisfied, that you're frustrated. A very simple exercise that I love to use with clients is you make, uh, just get a piece of paper and on the left-hand side of the page, write out every single, like everything that you are dissatisfied with in your life from your body, to your relationships, to your financial situation, to your job, to your, you know, all of it, you write those things out. Then on the right-hand side, you write the opposite or what you would write instead. And what's interesting, Adam, is I'm sure you know, this is really hard for people. It's really hard to write what they want to say because people come up with all these reasons. Well, I'm not allowed to do that. I don't deserve that. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm not worthy of those things or only the top 1% get that or only people that were born into privilege or this, that, or the other. And there's so many different things that we could throw at it. And I'm not saying that not all of those are true. Some of them are to some degree. However, when it comes to creating change in our lives, when you get crystal clear on, on what you're aiming at, Suddenly, mm -hmm. all of life starts to move in motion, helping you to create those things. But the only way that that works is if you're focused on what needs to change. Because then when you know what needs to change, you can start implementing and learning new skills, finding out, okay, what classes do I need to take? Where, what books do I need to read? What associations do I need to change? What you know, internships or, or opportunities or you know, what stages do I need to be on? What conferences mm -hmm. do I need to go to, et cetera? And so starting out with where you're at, but then number two is you need to get, uh, if you don't have people in your network, you need to do whatever you can within your power 
to pay for access to the things that you want. I know this sounds mm-hmm. counterintuitive, but if whether it's coaching or mentorship or, or conferences or getting into the right rooms or a, a association, going to like sign up for Adam's next dinner, go sit. <laughs> because what happens is that you are, your perception collides. Your perception of reality collides with another person's. And then you suddenly see how the way you thought the world worked is not the way the world works for everyone. Mm-hmm. And to pull yourself out of this state requires the third part, which I think is the most important, is you have to recognize that the only way that your external reality changes is if you change. Mm-hmm. Every single thing that is around you is a mirror. It's simply life is simply reflecting back to us the things that we carry deep inside. And so if you're someone that has negative self-talk and low self-esteem and no confidence and uh, a lot of guilt and shame and trauma and baggage and all these things, and you've not really come to terms with letting those things, letting those things go or even working through therapy and things like that process in a healthy way, you will continue to create over and over and over again, the exact same results. And you'll be frustrated because you're going to look at everything around you and say, if I could just fix my wife, if I could just fix my job, if I could just have a million bucks, if I could just buy this thing, if I could just, and people live that way. And they never understand that the only way the external around you changes is you have to change from within because as you change from within, the way you see the world changes and the way that you see the world as that changes, you start to realize that you are literally experiencing nothing more than the thoughts and stories you make up in your head. <laughs> love that. Love that. It's, it's so, so, so true for you guys that are, are listening in, by the way, I hope that you're enjoying some of our conversations. Um, if you are listening to our live, use the, use the hashtag live, use the hashtag replay. If you guys are listening in on the podcast, of course, hope that you guys are enjoying some of the conversations between me and David. Um, interestingly enough, and this is something that I like to pick up, and you talked a lot about at the very beginning, you talked about um, you know, surround your, surrounding yourself with the five most common people you hang around with, right? So and, and I'm a big believer, you're a big believer that you know, effectively say you're in this job or say you're in a, say you're running your own business, but you're not fulfilled and you're not happy. Mm -hmm. Is that the reason why a lot of people um, can't let go is not necessarily because they don't want to, but they, there is a sense of loyalty to those Mm -hmm. individuals because they've been there for, I don't know, they could be a childhood friend, for example. But then Mm -hmm. on the other spin to that is, you know, if we want to evolve as human beings, if we want to evolve as leaders and great entrepreneurs, then how does one evolve? Like, how does one change? So I guess my question to you is, how do you, what's the best advice for for someone that, so, but I don't want to leave these people. I, I have a loyalty that, that they've been been with me through like the storm through my divorce or whatever it is. They were, they were there for me, but I can see that there's disconnect. Like, mm. What do you do with that? It's a great question. So fear, sympathy is where you can step in in this type of situation is that when you, if there's a lot of different applications with this concept, if you were to step into their shoes, so this person, like, for example, so say you're like, I don't want to sabotage our relationship because, you know, these people have been so loyal to me. 
if you looked at flip the flip the script and you were looking at them and they came to you and said, you know, Adam, I'll use for example, they come to you and say, Adam, brother, I feel this thing just burning inside of me for more like that. I'm supposed to go do these things. I'm supposed to pursue these things. I don't know how, I don't know what the timeline is, but there's just something inside of me. I can't stay in this position. Um, I have to make a change. I have to get comfortable, uncomfortable. I have to be willing to take a risk. But one of my fears is this, and you get vulnerable and they say to you and say, Adam, my, my fear is that you know, because of how loyal you've been and, and everything, my fear is that I'm going to end up staying here and not actually fulfilling the things that I believe I'm supposed to be fulfilling. And it's because I'm so concerned with our relationship and I'm terrified of fracturing that relationship. Now, Adam, I have a feeling that you would look at me like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I'll love you forever. I'm your biggest fan. Like if you feel like this is what you're supposed to go do, I'll support you. Like I'll champion you. I like, but that's where intimacy and relationship and why relationships are so incredibly important. If you've not facilitated that kind of depth and trust where you can be vulnerable with people. Yeah. It's going to, people are going to make up all these stories and we're like, Oh yeah, well screw them. They just like all my loyalty, 20 years down the drain, they're just going to go on and live their life. What about like, thanks a lot. Right. But when we communicate and when we express those fears and those concerns and we take a risk, right? It's risky being vulnerable. We're opening ourselves. What we often find is that like people believe in us and people want us to win. And if we're willing to be vulnerable and say what we want, like really say, I want to do this, but my concern is our relationship. If that person is truly a friend, they are going to advocate for you. Now, they might have some tough questions, which is fair, right? They might, <laughs> that's where the hard truth in love, be like, hey, have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this, right? That, those are true friendships, those ones that love us enough to tell us what we don't want to hear, but we know their heart. We know their heart is because they want us to win and succeed. And they're willing to offend us or trigger us or push our buttons simply because we know you know, and they know that there's safety here and the relationship is, is something that can continue on. It's just going to evolve and look different. You know, it's really interesting. I want to share a quick conversation I had with a, with, with a guy that, um, that was at my dinner a couple of weeks ago. We had a similar conversation to what we're having right now and he's Canadian. So he's been living in the UK for, I think he was like 25, 30 years. Anyway, cut long story short, once a year, go back home, back to Vancouver, right? And you know, does the, the old family thing, friends thing, whatever it is, right? There's this one particular guy, and he was speaking to me about it. It's one particular guy. He's, he's like, you know, he, he, he's been friends since was the age of six, right? So long time, right? He's in his 50s now, right? So long, long time. Anyway, cut long story short, my, the guy that came along to the dinner and whatever it is, like, oh, he's at the top of his game true entrepreneur, multiple new, you know, he's, he's an award-winning author, you know, in in company. So he's at the top of the food chain effectively, but his friend, his friend on the other hand is, hasn't really moved along at all for the last 30, 40 years. Right. And, and he said to me, it was like, I meet him because I have this kind of like, I know that I can't help him. Hmm but he can't help me either. And it's like, it's like a dead end relationship, right? Mm -hmm. He just goes along because 
the other guy actually enjoys his company, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't see each other that often, maybe once a year. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, but it, again, it kind of goes back to that loyalty piece. Like, it's a bit like, like this is remi uh, maybe uh, I haven't, um, I was going to say, I haven't experienced it myself, but it's a bit like when, you know, when, say, your son or daughter ready to leave the nest and you have to let them go and you know you don't want them to let them go right or they found their first boyfriend or girlfriend right or they were going to college or university right mm. it's like you're kind of torn between i don't want to let them go no i don't want them oh no i want to live their life no i don't want to live that do you know what i mean it's kind of like this the yeah. same feeling this mm -hmm. exactly the same feeling i mean what's your take on this yeah. So, I mean, from a psychological perspective, it can be broken down into a number of different scenarios. You've got, you know, attachment styles, you've got codependency, you've got all sorts of uh, people pleasing and the fear of being misunderstood. A lot of these trauma induced or, or pain induced um, reactions that many people grow up with and they start to develop. And so it can be challenging when, um, when you have a, a deep relationship and then like say you take the kid example right and the kid's going to grow up and go on their way what you start to find is that uh when you have and again I've, I've got three kids i haven't had to send any off i've got younger ones and and i can't speak from experience but what i can speak to is uh the experience of of, of walking alongside many people who have gone through this and what you find are the ones that are the most successful in letting go and being able to celebrate and champion are the ones that actually have some form, like they have a healthy relationship, meaning that they love that person. And yes, it hurts to see them go, but there is no form of control or manipulation in, in the relationship. Right. Control and manipulation oftentimes happens uh, when we don't even realize it. You see this um you know, borderline narcissistic parents, you know, there's a lot of people that talk about this nowadays and, and, and you know, mental and emotional abuse and things like that. Right. And I think that, you know, for many people, we go too far. Um, but I will say that it's understandable when you look at relationships through this lens, you start to see fierce empathy again, is that what would it look like? How would you right? How would you want to be treated? It's like, goes back to the golden rule even is like, how would you want to be treated? If, if you are the person who's having to leave is going to like, you're going to pursue this thing. How would you want your parents to receive that? How would you want your friends to receive that? How would you want them to interact with you? And when you do that, it, it empowers you with that awareness that we're talking about of saying, as much as my feelings want to hold on to this and grab a hold and, and like, you know, hold it with a tight grip, we start to realize that we're trying to control so many things that we were never meant to control. And we're failing to control the only thing that we can control. And the only thing that we can control is our reactions to life and our reactions to life. A lot of times they're there are things that we're not even aware of until we're aware of them. And then we can stop and say, okay, instead of reacting, default, triggered, offended, upset, frustrated, resentful, whatever, this isn't useful. I need to pause, check in with myself, and choose to respond instead of default react. Because when I can respond intentionally because I've stepped into fierce empathy and I've said, man, how would I want to be treated in this situation? That's one side of it. But also, like, 
what's the best way to support this person and to love this person, you stop getting your hands in everybody else's freaking business. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. Or or, or drama, right? We don't do... me and drama, no, we, we, we're we definitely not match made in heaven. I don't do drama. I don't know about you, but we have enough drama in our own life. So, uh, <laughs> agree. agree. Anyway, um, I, I know you've created, um, call it a, a framework and stuff and around the whole kind of transformation because I know that there are going to be lessons where, okay, so maybe I'm convinced that you're onto something here, Adam and David, right? It's like, so, okay, maybe I do need to change things. Maybe I need to spice things up, whatever that looks like. But from your perspective, what, what would you say are the, the four pillars of transformation? And how does how do you apply those principles, you know, directly so that yeah. we can get, so that we can move forward in life? Yeah, so when it comes to transformation, um, the first thing that we have to really come to terms with, as we talked about a little bit before, is you've got to get crystal clear on, on who you are and what you want and what is necessary to get where you want to go. And so in right. simplest terms, if you don't have a clear, you know, if you're feeling stuck, right? A lot of times people look at clarity and they're like, I, you know, I'm clear on where I want to go. This is what I want to do. And this is, I found my calling or I found my purpose. And then you have everyone else on the outsides being like, well, I have yet to find my purpose. I haven't found my calling in life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm unclear. I feel stuck. I feel frustrated. I, I feel overwhelmed. But the interesting thing here, uh, and Adam, I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions. What is the purpose of taking a shower, Adam? Bathe. Okay. Smell nice. <laughs> what is the purpose of driving a car? To get you from A to B. Okay. What's the purpose on put, of putting on clothes? <laughs> <laughs> Stay warm. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is that we, we've, for some reason, this is how I see purpose. Um, and it's been incredibly useful in my life and the lives of the people I've been blessed to serve is that in most contexts, purpose is nothing more than an action that must be taken to get a specific result. Right. So the purpose of driving the car, the purpose of eating food, the purpose of putting on clothes, the purpose of kissing our spouse, the purpose of making the sales call is because we're trying to get a specific result. Mm-hmm. And so if we overlay that in life, it answers the question very easily for most people. It's like, what is your purpose in life? Well, it, it's got to be defined mm-hmm. by you. If you give yourself permission to define who you want to become, what you want, why you want it, what skills, what associations, what what things you need in order to get there, clarity starts to come into your world and you start to actually create purpose and meaning in every single thing that you do. And so people are always like, I want to live a purpose-filled life. And then they, then, uh, you know, on one hand they say that, and then they're like, yeah, but I don't know what my purpose is. I'm like, what do you, then give yourself a freaking purpose, like, like define one. But, you know, I say that kind of tongue in cheek because the honest truth I've found Adam over the years is that most people have a really hard time giving themselves permission to do that, especially right. people with a religious background. It's like, no, that's God's job. Like, or whatever you believe. God, God's job is to tell me why I'm here and I'm supposed to find his purpose or calling for my life. And 
you end up having people who spend their entire life trying to figure out what their purpose is and they die and they never actually used any of the skills or the things that were birthed inside of them. And so number one is, is again, clarity. So for anyone that wants to write down is, is clarity is that you've got to get crystal clear on these things. Um, because when you do what you need to do starts to get clear, yep. that's what leads into step number two. And step number two is what I call constructs and constructs. If you think about construction, imagine yep. when you're born, you, uh, you know, if anyone can think about Legos, right, you're given this tub of Legos and you're born and it's just poured out all on the floor. There's no legend. There's no map. There's no, like, here's what you're building. It says, just have fun and start putting stuff together. And we start putting stuff together and we're learning from our parents and our teachers and everything. We're building, we're constructing this identity, right? Mm -hmm. We're constructing our belief system. We're developing our emotional intelligence. We're starting to, to see and think about the world in a certain way. And so we construct this image of ourselves. And what's interesting is that along the way, you start to see how other people are constructing their life. They have their own Lego sets. And you're like, oh, you put that piece there. And there's this, oh, that's cool. I want that. And, and, and then what we end up doing is we start looking around at everybody else and we start to construct our life to try and make it look like theirs. And this leads to the situation we were talking about before, Adam, is before you know it, the five people that are around you, you look at what you've constructed and what they've constructed, and they all look very similar. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, why am I the average of every, like I, I pulled these pieces, right? Is because we construct, right? This, this identity based on, you know, so many factors growing up, et cetera, et cetera. But if we're going to actually transform, we have to redefine these things. We have to deconstruct and reconstruct those belief systems, how we process our emotions, the thinking patterns that we have so that in our mind, which is how we're doing this whole thing through using our mind, we can construct what we want rather than what came by default or by accident or by luck or by privilege or by whatever definition you want to give it. We are today where we are because we have constructed this thing. And a lot of times we forget that there's still a bunch of pieces on the floor. We are free to take mm -hmm. pieces off and put pieces on. And so if you start to create an image of who you want to become and what you want, and you can fix that in your mind, you're like, hey, this doesn't quite look like this, the idea that I have. So what do I need to take off and what do I need to add? And how can I do that consistently to make it more look more and more and more like this? So that's number two. Right. Number one is clarity. Number two is constructs. Number three is commitments. Commitments is where we just simply start to align all of our all of our actions. So these are our choices, our habits, our boundaries, our routines, our behaviors mm -hmm. with the higher standard. What are you actually committed to in order for you to be able to manifest or create that new reality? You have to become something different than what you are and you have to change what you're committed to. Are you committed to snoozing? Or are you committed to getting your butt out of bed and going to the gym? Are you committed to eating fast food? Or are you committed to a healthy lifestyle? Are you committed to your spouse or are you not? The interesting thing about commitment is that you can't like, I love the marriage example. You cannot be 99% committed to your spouse. <laughs> You're either, no, you're either right. You're either committed or you're not committed. Yeah. That's it. There's no percentage of commitment. No you problem. have to decide, you have to commit and you have to become. And this means 
from a, like a neuroscience perspective, if you're going to change the hardwiring, the encoding of the brain and create new neural pathways, we have to be willing to do things we don't feel like doing, that discomfort for long enough that we actually create a new neural pathway and we reprogram our minds so that our old habits are overwritten by new habits. Mm. And those new things become our second nature. And this is where we really start to see transformation happen is because I can look at an individual and I can tell you what is a priority to them just by mm -hmm. like a 10 minute conversation. I can tell you what really they care about, what they're committed to, what they're holding on to. And so when you can start to see this, you start to realize like, oh my gosh, I'm much more committed to my comfort than I am to what I feel like is the calling on my life. I'm much more committed to this complacency or whatever it is, right? You can choose, choose your vice. I'm more committed to whatever the thing is rather than saying, I'm going to do what I, I don't feel like doing, right? Like going to the gym with consistency until it becomes an actual new habit. That's when you know your identity has changed. Right. And there's a couple of great books on that. Uh, the Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg is a great one. But then Atomic Habits by uh, James Clear, I think it is, is, is a solid one as well. Cool. But clarity, constructs, commitments, reassessing mm -hmm. those things. When you start to choose to act and be different, the science has now proven it takes between 21 and 90 days to rewire your brain. But that only works if you're coupling it with self-care and rest. Otherwise, all of your effort and energy, and we see this, Adam, all the time, all these people that are hustling, grinding, and doing all the stuff and you know, just <laughs> burning the midnight oil. The problem <laughs> with that is that the science has now proven it takes up to a year and a half to rewire your brain if you are not committed to self-care and rest. Damn. So if you are serious about changing your life, it's about like going slower and being mm. intentional every single day. That is the fastest way to transform your life. Not going faster, not reading, you know, eight hours a day, not like having an insane schedule. We see this all the time. Wake up at 4 a.m. and do that. Da, 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 da. That's actually the slowest way to get where you want to go. Those things might be useful, but it's assessing mm. those commitments and, and coming into alignment. And then the last one is consistency, is that you have to dedicate yourself to the practice of discipline, responsibility, and accountability. This is what enables us to actually get to our goals because we are uh, very emotional beings, all of us, whether you tend to be more emotional or not. And most often we're really good at keeping our word to other people and we are really good at lying to ourselves. We negotiate with ourselves all the time and we say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to stop eating that. And I'm going to stop going there and I'm gonna all, all talk. Right. And so <laughs> If you, if we as individuals cannot bring ourselves to keep our word to ourselves, the only way that we can overcome that and bring ourselves to the place where we're transformed and we can be self-accountable is you have to bring accountability into your life. You have to bring someone like Adam into your life, right? That's what I do as well. You bring them into your life and you say, hey, this is the standard. I give you permission to hold me accountable to this standard. And if I fall below this, I'm going to either need you to give me a hug and remind me who I am or kick me in the ass. One of the two. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's where I need you in my life. And I'm giving you permission to hold me accountable to this standard. And the only way that this works is with that permission. Without okay. it, right, we can't actually help people get the results. Because I can't go around and try and tell everybody what to do. <laughs> You're just like, True. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work, right? Um, and so with all of those things, when you put them together, those are the four pillars I found a transformation. When you can get that clarity, 
you address how you're thinking about yourself and who you're becoming, you commit and you assess all of your choices, your actions and your behaviors. And then when you stay consistent, when you mm-hmm. do that, you literally will be transformed as you renew your mind and you start to see the world through a completely different paradigm. Absolutely. Love that. Some good stuff. There's some really juicy, juicy value bombs that we're getting out today's show, ladies and gents. So I hope that you're enjoying it. Um, I know that we're coming towards the end of our conversation. I suppose my final question to you really is, you know, I mean, you've been on a bit of transformational journey yourself and you continue to evolve and you continue to be the best version of yourself is if that's what you want to call it. But from, for, I suppose my final question is, is like, how do you, like, where do you see yourself in the next, like, what is your personal mission? Like, mm-hmm. you know, where do you see yourself in the next 20 years? It's a great question. So part of the big dream for me, Adam, is that um, I have a very expansive vision that specifically serves orphans, widows, and single mothers. Part of my desire in entrepreneurship, and uh, there's there's a few different factors. Number one is I want to I want to my team and and all the employees that I've ever had. I want them to be the highest paid, most fulfilled, the most satisfied, loving what they do, and so I want to create businesses that help people create the life that they want. That basically the umbrella of my vision, mm-hmm. their vision can be housed underneath that. And I can give them a launching pad and an opportunity to pursue the things inside of their heart. But with the long-term goal, my desire is to completely change and shift how the world is handling, um, serving and supporting orphans, widows, and single mothers. And I have a pretty expansive international vision for what that's going to look like. My wife and I, um, we want to create a summer camp uh, as well that is for uh, for foster kids, kids in the foster care system and orphans that they can come and uh, that they can experience, you know, learning how to build a campfire and and shooting bow and arrow and taking out a kayak and art classes and writing music and, and working on poetry and learning to sing and doing drama and like not just education type stuff, but really all of those things that many, many of these kids, they don't get to experience and bringing them together with other kids that are also in that to create brotherhood and sisterhood relationships. And uh, I my heart is to along the way to just encourage, inspire and build up people and to help them become everything that they said that they would be. Because I don't believe that life is a zero sum game. I don't think for, for anyone to win means that someone else has to lose. And most of us were conditioned to believe that, well, I can't go after my stuff because if I win, someone else has to lose. And it's a very scarce, short-sighted view of what is available to us on this beautiful planet. And so big vision for me is writing books, sharing my story, speaking to people, encouraging, inspiring, working with entrepreneurs, coaching, consulting, doing all those things. But that's where I'm headed is to make the world a better place, particularly for orphans, widows, and, and single mothers. Of that. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of a Baden Powell's philosophy when he founded the, the Cubs and the Scouts. Have you ever read that? I have not. It sounds like I should. Definitely ch- he should definitely Baden Powell. I'm sure Baden Powell was British, but anyway, he was the founder of the Scouts and the Cubs, and it was kind of, but it wasn't really based on uh, helping single mothers and orphans, which could be your UFP, I guess, in a way. But it's kind of interesting. But love. That. 
<laughs> very cool thank you for sharing no, i appreciate it cool well listen guys hope you've been enjoying um today's conversations with me and david um what i was going to say to you guys um if you have been enjoying our conversations feel free to connect with david on his social media links and you can be one of half a million subscribers that are following him here on the uh whether it's on instagram or LinkedIn, whatever it is feel free to reach out to him if you have any questions uh mention the podcast of course because he's uh been on lots well hundreds if not thousands of podcasts uh but this is obviously the best one of course um <laughs> it's been awesome bro. So- <laughs> <laughs> the best <laughs> absolutely the best that's why it's called the game changers experience right anyway, <laughs> uh, david just want to say thank you so much you've been a ball uh been a great guest i just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today adam it was an honor thank you for having me brother awesome listen guys hope you've been today's show feel free to subscribe to us if you are if you are a first uh, listener congratulations and hopefully you'll come back again as well so from me david have a wonderful day week month, month whenever you listen to this and we'll see you soon take care and we'll see you soon cheers now